Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan, Clemson 8278, down in Little John Coliseum, a little less crazy Little John Coliseum, it looked like to me. Students not as close to the court anymore, but Sherelle. I'm looking at this box score after this game, and we could be sitting here next, or, or excuse me, last weekend, having the same discussion. The box score looks very similar. For North Carolina, you got two players that did everything. Uh, nobody else did anything. Theo Pinson, of course, had a reason going out hurt early. Clemson, 15 of 30 from three-point range. It's just a, a broken record at this point for North Carolina. Yeah, uh, that's a 15 for 30 again, which is exactly what happened against NC State on Saturday. And it's funny because, you know, one of the, I guess, narratives coming out of the NC State game was, well, a team can't get that hot and shoot that hot against North Carolina again. And Clemson did the exact same thing. They just picked up where they left off from the second half in Chapel Hill. I mean, 33s in two games. I'm sure there's that people out there looking, but I don't know if that's ever been done in ACC play against North Carolina. I mean, it's just a staggering number. It, like you said, you look at the box score and it's kind of like, that's that's a real thing. It's really there. 15 for 30 for two games in a row from three. And at this point, I think it's become as much about schematic. I mean, as much about uh, confidence and just in their head as it is about schematics and what role, what the team is doing on defense. Because I think they know, they're aware of it. They see it, they read it, they hear about it, but they're still reverting back to some of the things that caused the issue in the first place. So um, it's just staggering to see 30 made threes in two games against UNC. It's, it's really, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and what's gotten me over these last few games or when Carolina's lost is they have no balance. No balance. I mean, we don't even need to talk about inside-outside balance. That hadn't been there. Um, if you want to count Luke May as inside, you can. But there's no balance across the roster. Tonight, Cam Johnson, 32, Joel Berry, 27. Uh, nobody else over six, from what I can see. And Kenny Williams got his six in about 30 seconds in the second half. You look at Clemson, they're balanced in their uh, starting lineup and then got a little bit of help from other people. But, Sherelle, I, I look at it and I see a North Carolina team that, and let me say this before we go any further, this podcast tone is a lot different had we recorded at halftime. <laughs> um, and I think, that, I think that goes for everybody, um, North Carolina fan, anybody watching that game. But that being said, you got to give the Heels some credit. Henson goes down. They look dead in the water. They somehow come back. They cut it to four. I think Brandon Robinson misses two out of three free throws. Clemson immediately pushes it back to eight or nine. They cut it back down to three. Same thing happens. They cut it down to two, and then they finally tie it. 
and the kicker um, right in the nether regions from North Carolina is the same thing that's killed them all year, rears its head, a wide open three, lets Clemson off the hook. Your thoughts on that last maybe five minutes of action? It, it looked like the reverse of what has happened to North Carolina the last two years. They're typically the one who goes on those 8-2, to 10-4 to four type runs to close out games. I think Greg Barnes wrote about it after the NC State games that that's what, you know, this UNC, UNC team has done. And it was very uh, strange to see them falter kind of in the clutch against NC State. And uh, it happened again. Now, uh, you know, we don't like to talk about officiating on here, but on the game, I guess you can call it game-winning three uh, that Reed hit, there was clearly a moving screen by Elijah Thomas on Kenny Williams. And, I mean, he was he was moving <laughs> when he set the screen and Reed had a wide-open three. Um, so, you know, of course, North Carolina didn't lose because of that one play. They lost because of a few other reasons, but that one did kind of stick out. What's fascinating to me is how it seems like the individual parts are better than the whole for UNC because this is the you know third or fourth game well second straight game that a player has hit a career high so 32 is Cam Johnson's career high uh 22 is Theo Pinson's career high uh Luke May had 30 plus last game and then Joel Berry has 27 which is uh I think three or four off of his career high so it's just weird how uh two guys just get hot but like you said no one else can really do anything offensively so they've got to find a way to get three of those guys in the same game hot and I do want to give North Carolina credit because if you would have told anyone before the game that Theo Pinson would have played two minutes and that UNC would be tied at 74 with just over two minutes left I think they would have taken it it's just weird it was a very strange game how it happened because I mean UNC looked as bad as I've seen a Carolina team look in a long long time probably since that 2009-2010 season in the first half especially the last five minutes or so of the first half. And then the second half, they looked much more like they did at the beginning of the season with, um, you know, the the freshman big men contributing a little bit. Not a lot, but, I mean, Sterling Manley had six re- points, six rebounds. So they were contributing some, and then they were just making a ton of shots and tough shots. And so it's it's – I'm not sure the tone for the pot what the podcast should be because, you know, we were very prepared for doom and gloom, but then they outscored uh, Clemson by 12 in the second half. And, and – really for the first time in a while, showed a lot of fight and showed a lot of emotion. So it was definitely a, a weird, a weird, weird game. Yeah, and uh, that, for me watching, the way they came back, um, you know, it's sort of maybe if they can just, it's kind of like, if they can just get it together, they've got a chance. And, and you know, if Luke May score, if you'd have told anybody in the world, Penson plays a minute and a half, Luke May scores four points. I, even the diest hard North Carolina fan thinks they get whipped in that ball game. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Cameron Johnson because uh, you know early there in the second half, I think it was, he was kind of getting knocked around a little bit. He looked sort of out of sorts, and then he really flipped the switch and just went nuts. And then Barry, you know, goes from not being able to throw it in the ocean the last couple games to they're both ten for sixteen, Johnson ten for eighteen. I mean, for me, the the toughest thing to watch with this team, and I want your thoughts on this, is the up and down of not one player. It's every player on the roster, and it's every game. I mean, I just don't remember a North Carolina team being like that. And I've been watching them for a long, long time. It just, it's like you said, it's weird. It's a weird game, but it's been just a weird season, especially the last, you know, two months of it. 
Well, that, I think that's the mark of an inconsistent team, and that's what North Carolina is when when you don't have as much talent as you had when you lost a lot from last year's team. Uh, you just, it's inconsistent. Like one game, everything will look great. And the next game, it'll look bad. And now it's even varying from not even half to half, but, you know, the first part of the first half, the second part of the first half, first half, first part of the second half, second part of the second half. That's how much variation there is. Just because um, I think Rob Harrington on uh, IC had a, had a great, uh, comment about Joel Berry and and why people were like, why is he struggling? Why is he not doing some of the things he's doing? And he said, he's a third down running back being asked, paraphrasing, he's a third down running back being asked to carry the ball 25 times a game. And I think that makes a lot of sense in that now you're 11 games into the ACC schedule. Uh, Joel Berry is the lead guy on the scouting report. It's Joel Berry, it's Luke May, then it's Cam Johnson and Theo Fenton. And it's a little bit different when teams are, keying in on Justin Jackson or the keying in on Kennedy Meeks and you're not as high on on the scouting report as some of those guys but when you're you're number one though the whole game plan is is built upon making sure that you don't score making sure that you don't have a great game and uh, Barry adjusted well I mean that second half was pretty phenomenal um, that he played but I think that's where some of the struggles are coming from for him but this is the best game he's had in in some time and I think the hope for North Carolina is that one Theo Pinson is okay and is able to play on Saturday. And then two, Cam Johnson can keep this up. Joel Berry can keep it up. And then Luke May kind of comes back to what he's been for most of the season. And what's crazy is none of that's guaranteed at all. But not even close for this team. Right. I mean, we have to, it's, I think it's gives you a point now where UNC is five and five in conference. They're 16 and seven. They already have seven losses where you have to start talking about, okay, if you're North Carolina, you got to find four wins somewhere the rest of the season. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying they can't do it, but they have to find them because now, you know, the, if you if you go eight and ten in the ACC with maybe a, a first round loss in the ACC tournament, despite how high North Carolina is in the RPI and the metrics and all that, that stuff can change and it does change because it's a formula. So it, it's something that is now kind of creeping in that everyone should be aware of that this team despite some of his great play, is not an absolute lock to make the NCAA tournament. They have to win. They have to find four wins uh, the rest of the season. And the stretch, as we talked about before, coming up is pretty brutal. Yeah, that's something we sort of talked about off the air with Greg Ross and I when we recorded earlier in the week and I sort of asked them about it. And folks have always given me hard time about the must win. And I've said this on the last few podcasts. No, it's not a must win because the season ends if they don't win. But it's for me, I thought this game tonight was a must win for North Carolina to to pretty much you know secure an NCAA bid. And now it's a struggle because you you, you figure Pittsburgh probably going to come in and hit fourteen or fifteen threes on Saturday, but North Carolina should be able to get that win. But beyond that, Sherelle, let's look there. I don't see a. a definite win anywhere after after Saturday against Pittsburgh. I mean, you, I don't think you can count Pittsburgh as a definite win either. I know how bad Pittsburgh has been throughout the season, but we have seen some atrocious defense from this UNC team, you know, the last month. And it, it's something to be said that if you let a team, you know, get confidence throughout the game, that stuff can spiral. And that's how you end up going 15 or 30. From three, I mean, even though the Pittsburgh players, uh, you know, they're not as good as some of the guys they've had in the past, they're still 
pretty good basketball player. They can hit an open three. And there's one thing we've seen is that North Carolina will give them open threes. So, I, you know, I think they should win against Pittsburgh. They'll be favored against Pittsburgh, but it's far from a guarantee, if you ask me, just because of how poorly UNC's played on defense. The offense hasn't been awful. I mean, a lot of times when you score 79, 78, 80 points, uh, you, you think you should get a win. When you score 91 points, you definitely think you should get a win. So the problem, even though it's unbalanced and even though it's very strange and coming from you know, two or three different people each game, the offense is functioning and they're getting points. They just can't stop anyone. So let me ask you the $64,000 question, given what's going on today um, and tonight. Suppose Theo's out for Pittsburgh. Joe Barry for 40, 40 minutes, that is, against uh, against uh, Pitt. I mean, who plays point guard if that scenario shakes out on Saturday other than Joe Barry? I think it might be one of those where, you know, they look at Seven Woods and say, hey, are you are you 70%? You know, the the whole, if this was an NCAA tournament game, could you play type deal? Because if not, you know, um, Barry's got a few days of the rest before Pittsburgh, and then he's got a few days of the rest before Duke, and then they go three and five days. And he can't play 38 minutes three times in five days. So I, they've got to hope that one, Theo, is okay. That is the biggest, that's the biggest question mark, I guess, moving forward, because the team's fate dramatically changes. Because you, you saw it a little bit. It was such a struggle for them to create offense tonight without Theo on the court. I mean, every shot was pretty much contested. Joel Berry was driving through three and four people and falling on the ground and rolling just to get to the basket. Um, Cameron Johnson, because he is six eight, was able to shoot over the top of a few people, but he was going to the lane trying to get something done. Um, so, you know, I, I think, like I said, they need Theo back. They really, really, really need Theo back because he kind of masks some of the other issues that the team has. But if he doesn't come back, then... I, I guess what they did tonight, they had Andrew Playtech play point guard for about a minute and a half. I'm not quite sure it was even that long, but I guess that would be the plan. Um, or just see if Seventh Woods can come in and just give them three or four minutes. And, you know, if he's 70, 75 percent, just roll with him. Um, but it's it looks dicey because Barry was already asked to do a lot. And now he's going to be asked to do a ton more if Theo's out for any extended amount of time. Yeah, and when Theo's healthy, I mean, I, I felt like he's been de facto point guard for the last few games anyway. He has the ball in his hands most of the time in the shot clock. We saw Barry, like you said, he got beat to death again tonight. Crazy how this season has turned for North Carolina. Clemson wins 82-78 uh, down there in South Carolina. Yeah, and I, just one more thing that I thought was interesting um, since – so we've done the negative. So let's search for a couple positives before we get off. I thought the the two big guys, you know, they they you saw their struggles, but I thought when they were in there together, um, that's when a little bit of the run happened. It, it was is actually kind of a it felt like a throwback to have two big men in the game at the same time, and uh, I think that's something they can build upon. I think Brandon Robinson, again, he is aggressive, so that's a good thing. Um, they definitely need more from him, especially if Theo's going to be out. Playtech, you know, missing that layup hurt Carolina a little bit, but he stuck his nose in there and got a couple of rebounds. So, you know, they, they're the freshmen are coming along. And, you know, in addition to them being freshmen, you know, they weren't the highest rated class North Carolina's ever had. So they were already kind of behind a little bit. Um, but you have to admire them just getting in there and, and trying uh, the best they can. You know, I, I know people hate 
moral victories. They hate that kind of talk. They say it's loser talk. But, you know, when they got blown out the way they did in the first half and without Theo Pinson and with no backup point guard, I guess the three options at point guard behind Joel Berry gone, they found a way to tie the game at 74 with two minutes left. So there's something to be said for that. But at the same time, they just have to defend better. If they don't defend better, you know, they could they could easily lose the rest of the games if they don't defend better. Don't mean to sound alarmist, but that's just the, the truth. I mean, 33 is in two games. Let me ask you this since you brought that portion up. I, I felt like they played better defense with the two bigs in, but I also thought they quit helping as much there when they when they got back into it. Your thoughts there, I mean, and, and then that's what I meant when they said they reverted back to the mean this year and left the guy wide open to hit the three to break the tie. I mean, I think that's how Carolina should approach it from here on, to be honest with you, is stay on the shooters. If you give up layups, that's two points. Uh, Clemson shot, what, what, four for 13 in the first half from two or something like that. So your thoughts there with Brooks and Manley in there, I mean, they make it more difficult for people to get all the way to the rim stay on the shooters, make them make contested twos rather than open threes. I think that's got to be the formula, at least the, the leaning way to go at it the remainder of the year. Yeah, you know, you know, Rob Williams well. You've been covering Carolina for 20-plus years. Like, him changing the starting lineup once, you know, that happens. Changing it twice, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen before, where – you know, if it wasn't just like a suspension or just a one-time deal, just to, you know, get somebody uh, charged up or something like that, but just a, a full-on starting lineup change. I don't think I've ever seen that happen twice in a season. But all the things that the small lineup was supposed to do well to counteract the deficiencies they had with rebounding and other things, I don't know that they're doing them well enough to warrant starting um the small lineup. So especially when a couple of players are really, really struggling offensively and a couple of players who have played excellent defense this season, but are, are struggling defensively as well. So I, I think that could be something you see um, coming up, especially as they play teams who have uh, some big guys coming up, uh, you know, NC state has your at seven um, Louisville has their guys. Syracuse has a, a couple guys. Of course, Duke has a couple of guys. So I, I, I think it might happen on Saturday that they, and this is all pending Theo's health again, that they maybe try again um, playing more of that traditional lineup with Luke May at the four and either Brooks or Manley at the five. Good stuff, Sherelle. 82-78, Carolina loses to Clemson. And I'll tell you, our listeners, if you want to look at something interesting, go find you a shot chart for Clemson in this ball game and look at the heat from the corners. Uh, it is uh, eerie how wide open those three those corner threes are against North Carolina's defense each and every night. That's got to change. Carolina and Pittsburgh on Saturday. Thanks, Sherelle. Yep, appreciate it, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.